put that in a little box and put it away and, and try not to think about it again. Mm-hmm. You only have so much storage. The mm-hmm. boxes will finally be too many boxes for the bin and you, mm-hmm. and something it's 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 gonna manifest itself somehow mm-hmm. and it, and if it's manifesting itself in a bottle of jack daniels or it's mm-hmm. manifesting itself in some using narcotics whether it be prescribed or otherwise mm-hmm. um if it's manifesting itself in uh in in violence toward maybe your family mm-hmm. your wife or your mm-hmm. kids none of those are good Hello and welcome to the Forge Resilience Podcast. Here we're going to be talking to experts in the field and true heroes that understand the impact of mental and physical resilience for first responders. Hi, my name is Lacey Wolf. And I'm Chris Wolf. And we're a first responder family dedicated to improving the lives of first responders through education and training. Lacey is an exercise physiologist that specializes in mental resilience. And Chris is a professional firefighter that has a background in outdoor education. All right, and we're back. Yeah, part two. Episode two, part two, Greg Stevens. Yeah, this is a great episode. I really appreciate how he kind of goes into some of the struggles of being a police officer, especially a motor officer, for as many years as he was on the road. Um, Greg talks about probably the most challenging part of his job, you know, delivering those messages to the doors of loved ones who have, have lost someone in a traffic crash. Yeah, it's, it's neat. He is a guy that, um, after so many years, there's no way that, that you're going to get out of that unscathed. Yeah, uh, you're going to be affected. You're going to be affected. And he talks about, you know, how you can, um, you know, put it in a little box and put it away, or you can address the trauma. And uh, that that's really the only way you're ever going to move past it. Right. And that's why I think um, he aligned with our first podcast, listening to Mark Powers talk about, you know, exposure. Um, avoidance is, is how PTSD essentially forms in the brain. And, and you know, he had a 40-year career and is healthy because he was able to address the things he was dealing with yeah. on a regular basis. So we get a neat perspective on an officer that's done 40 years and uh, he talks about kind of how he did it and how it's important to be close to the people that you work with and even what he sees are some challenges um, to, for future officers. All right, so enjoy part two. We don't very often, if ever, get to choose the moment. The moment chooses us, and I thought, "Wow, that is it, that is so mm-hmm. profound. It right. is so on point, um, especially as first responders. We don't know what we're facing. No, that was one, of the, but that's one of the draws to the job. Exactly. You know, you go to work every day not knowing what the heck you're going to do that day. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a, everything as mundane as can be, or it could mm-hmm. be the most exciting day of your life. Right. Knows? And are you going to be ready for that? Right, Most and are you prepared? Day. That's right. And uh, yeah. it's a, uh, um, but but it is important. You got to prepare like the moment's going to choose you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't prepare, that's I think when you struggle after the fact. Certainly, um, in the incident, if you're not prepared, you you're, you're likely to suffer way more trauma. Right. Both physically and emotionally, mm-hmm. if you're not prepared, and especially after the fact, if you weren't prepared. I think I think that's where it really takes a serious toll. Mm-hmm. Well, you are one of those examples that I think everybody aspires to be where you are after 40 years on the job, retired, enjoying your retirement, teaching others. Um, what would you say ha- has helped you to get there so you can maintain your resiliency, your physical 
your mental health to, to get to this point where you still are, are doing great and physically well, active. Well, I'll be real honest with you. One, um, it, it's great to have family support. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from good parents. Uh, both of them gone now, unfortunately. But um, my parents were um, very encouraging, whatever endeavor I might have taken. They were very proud of the fact that I was a policeman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, of course, poor mom. Um, Probably one, worried about you. <laughs> she worried a lot. And, of course, I didn't have to just be a policeman. It, after I did about eight years in patrol, I went in the traffic unit. And, of course, I needed to be a motorcycle policeman. Let's add one more element <laughs> of danger to what you do. And then, on top of that, after a little while, I decided I needed to be a, a part of our SWAT team as well. So... Um, Luckily, Mom lived in Austin. I lived up here in the mm-hmm. Dallas area, so she didn't have to look at me every day. Maybe that was helpful in keeping her anxiety to a manageable level. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, but I had great family support, and uh, and as it as now at the end of the tail end of my career, I have great support at home. My mm-hmm. wife um, has always been a great supporter. She worried just as much as my as my mom did. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I think that um, the first thing is is that you have great support. Um, the other thing is, is as I aged and did this longer and longer, I experienced some things that helped me to understand that there is a certain frailty um, in human beings. And I don't care if you're the biggest, meanest policeman in town. Uh, those guys all have an emotional component to right. it. Absolutely. And, right. and most of them, the bigger, the meaner they look, are probably the softest, kindest, hardest people you'll ever run into. Mm-hmm. And they do that job because that's kind of part of their makeup. Yeah, you can do a lot of good in a position like that. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you hope that, that these uh, folks take that job in the interest of trying to um, make your community better, you may, yeah. you know, help people that are in your community and, and to be a servant. Right. And, and I think that's it's the service part that, that made me tick. And now, in retirement, to be able to go do some training and talk mm-hmm. to younger officers or officers of, of any vintage, for that matter, and, and encourage them to train, encourage them to be better at what they mm-hmm. do, to maintain a positive attitude, all those kind of things, I still get to be in service to my Absolutely. community, my profession, um, and to my country. Yeah, and you still are. Well, yeah. I, I hope to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in any case, uh, yeah, for me personally, though, uh, you know, I did, I had moments in my career, though, where um, I struggled with some trauma that I saw. I was uh, in the traffic unit for 30, about 32, nearly 33 years, the last 33 years of my career, and I was a fatality crash investigator. So I got called in the middle of the night often Mm -hmm. to go out to these sometimes really gruesome traumatic crashes Mm -hmm. um you know the worst part of the job i ever had was knocking on the door and telling some mom her 15 year old kid just got killed in a car right Mm -hmm. you know and and any advice for for younger officers or younger first responders um just joining up what what do you think are some good strategies to deal with that or how did you deal with it oh i think you just got to embrace embrace that emotion Mm -hmm. interesting story um, I'll tell it on myself. I don't tell it a lot, so this is mm-hmm. a gift. <laughs> um, 
some years ago, I, I got called to a, a traffic crash on uh, one of our major highways. Um, and it was a guy who was driving way too fast, been drinking. Um, he was in a fancy BMW. Uh, I calculated his speed after I, as I investigated the crash at about 138 miles an oh, hour. Man. When he hits a light pole, it's light standard that's set in concrete. Anyway, <clears throat> it, it um, unfortunately uh, took this man's life, and he was a, he was a uh, at one time a professional football player mm. from another area. I didn't uh-huh. I didn't know him, but but you know, it of... seemed like a a waste, right? Mm-hmm. You know? <clears throat> so I worked this crash. Uh, it was a one car crash. That was good news. Yep. Um, had this enormous crime scene because he crashed forever, um, mm. but. In any case, when I got done, it was early morning, um, probably just past dawn. I get home, and I remember sitting at home with my wife, and, I, and she inquired what happened. And I'm telling her what happened, and as I'm telling her what happened, I'm sobbing like a baby. Mm-hmm. Here's this guy. I don't even know who the guy yeah. is. Yeah. I, he's yeah. me. I mean, he's. it's not like... Made the choice himself. Right, yeah. and, it, and yeah. it was like... What in the world? Why am I mm-hmm. so emotionally? Mm-hmm. Why am I sitting here sobbing, telling a story about a guy I don't even know? Mm-hmm. And the reality hit me that we all have a a limited capacity for that much trauma. Mm. My cup was overflowing. Right, it was mm-hmm. full. Right, and and I wasn't emotional and sobbing about this ex football player that killed himself. I was sobbing about the 35 right. or 40 others before him right. that, that caused me to go, you know, I have to go knock on the door and say, Mom, I'm sorry to tell you this, but, you know, your son was yeah. involved in a car accident. He didn't survive. And, and mm. watch these people collapse in, mm-hmm. in complete and total grief. As you have and, to hold yourself together right, for that. While you're being the strong and, mm-hmm. and asking what can I do to help and, mm-hmm. and who can I call or what can I do. And, and, and you're being the strength that they don't have. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's coming from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. don't, that's not an unlimited no. ability to do no. that. No, and, yeah. and as a firefighter, you see the same thing. Yeah, when I, there's, think, when there's, I think when we have a lot of shared experience on the road, especially uh, we're seeing the same stuff. Right. Um, you know, and, and it's it's something to, I think a lot of times in the moment when, when things are really bad, we're packaging people up and we're doing our job. And like you said, it's when the job's done, you have a moment to reflect. And um, and I think it's good that that you were at home talking to your wife about it. Because I think too many of us put that in a little box and put it away and, and try not to think about it again. Mm-hmm. You only have so much storage. The mm-hmm. boxes will finally be too many boxes for the bin. And, you, mm-hmm. and something, it's, it's, it's going to manifest itself somehow. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if it's manifesting itself in a bottle of Jack Daniels or it's mm-hmm. manifesting itself in some using narcotics, whether it be prescribed or otherwise, mm-hmm. um, if it's manifesting itself in, uh, in, in violence toward maybe your family, mm-hmm. your wife, or your mm-hmm. kids... None of those are good. No. Mm-hmm. You know, good old healthy crying. That's right. Everybody. Right. We were talking to Dr. Powers about avoidance uh, and the subject of PTSD. Right. Um, and it falls right in line with that. It seems like uh, you can do all these things. You take pills, you can drink, and you can get away from your family. But at the end of the day, what you got to do is uh, is address it. And um, 
talk about it, meet it head on. And people like you being out there talking about those things is what will change the culture so that I think our young officers hopefully will see that and understand that it's okay to be a human. <laughs> well, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. And, and you know, having been in law enforcement as long as I, as I, as I was and, and still involved. That's right. Um, when I first started, there was no... You show you didn't show any emotion. That mm-hmm. was a sign of weakness. Absolutely, and it's not a sign. You know, and the and of course we're way. I hope we're a lot smarter now. But I think we're a lot smarter now mm-hmm. and understand. Um, not dealing with it is probably much more a weakness than addressing the problem and taking care it of it. It takes a lot of courage it's, to ask for help and to sure. talk about. Well, things, it's so. not dealing with it is certainly much more of a liability. You know, well, the guys yeah. on your crew or the guys on your shift. Uh, the guys in your patrol, um, you know, if you got people that that are carrying these heavy loads and not ever addressing it, uh, it's going to manifest itself, and and uh, you just pray that it's not not at the wrong time. Well, and the other thing that that's important too is if a guy's having issues at home, that's going to transcend into into work. You cannot, you know, the old you bet you got to leave your family problems at home. And how many thing. times did you hear that? Oh, I, I've heard it a million yeah, times. Yeah. Well, it's baloney. You can't yeah, do it. Can't do it. It can't be done. Mm-hmm. We were human beings and and uh, mm-hmm. and so if you're if you're already having problems here and then you're dealing with some kind of trauma here and you're not you're not dealing with either one of them, then you're really on the fast track. I think those are the guys that you read about in the paper that take their own lives and everything else. Right. That's the most extreme and, mm-hmm. and that's the the one thing that none of us want to no, you know, get that phone call and hear about your buddy that you worked with mm-hmm. a week, you know, two days ago. It know, seems like we're out there risking our our lives, our health, uh, you know, our emotional stability to to protect our community, and yet it seems like we're not often willing just to help out the people that we work side by side with. A lot of times, well, and a lot of know. times I, those guys don't show it, mm-hmm. you know. That sometimes it's hard to recognize. Um, I was fortunate enough, I worked with the same guy um, when I was a, a motorcycle policeman. We, we were partners mm-hmm. for many, many years. He's a, he's a dear friend, more like a brother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when you get that close to somebody, you, can find, you see those when something's bothering them or when, That's right. when the yeah. day's not going the way it's mm-hmm. supposed to. But a lot of times when we're working in patrol, for example, and you're working, you know, you might not see the same guy all the time, and let, you know the guy working the district next to, next to you or something. Maybe you get to know him pretty good, but it's just not the same as having a regular partner. And mm-hmm. and you know, you, like a lot of departments, like Dallas has a lot of two man units where they ride together, same two as a team mm-hmm. over and over again. Well, that's that's there's Seems some, like a healthier way to go. There's some benefit mm-hmm. to that, I think. Yeah. Um, it can also be difficult because you got to be able to get along. <laughs> you got to ride eight hours. You know, two right. feet apart is uh, you is a long with, day. With yeah. that person and your spouse. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I spent yeah. I, uh, this this gentleman I'm talking about, this good friend of mine. Um, we're both retired now, but we're both avid motorcycle riders still, and and mm-hmm. we've taken two trips to Canada on our motorcycles. Oh man! Wow. Uh, him and wonderful. I, um, and we, you know. Not not with our wives, uh, mm-hmm. you know. That's not a fun trip for somebody that's not really. Uh, You've got a really like died in the wool right. motorcycle thing. <laughs> but he and I basically would be gone two weeks. Both trips were about fifty five hundred miles. We did in two weeks, wow. and uh, it's basically twenty four seven with somebody for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, 
there are not very many people on the face of this earth mm -hmm. that I would feel like I could do that with. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he and I have, can do that. I mean, that's how close we, we've become. And, and that doesn't mean we always agree on everything. Yeah. We, we have our moments, but... but um, we need to do a whole podcast on your motorcycle trip. <laughs> <laughs> I have two of them. One, both, one of them went to far eastern Canada, and the other one went to uh, uh, Vancouver. That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, both of them were interesting and, and fun yeah. um, trips. Well, you're something else. We yeah, really have enjoyed A wealth of uh, knowledge and experience. And, True hero. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on with us. Well, you know, people talk about the hero thing. The reality is there's nothing special about me as far as I'm just a guy that, you know, paid attention when I went to training and tried to incorporate that. And when the moment shows me, I was able to prevail. Um, I am a man of faith. I believe that um, not many things just happen by accident. I think mm -hmm. there's some reason behind all that. And, and uh, mm -hmm. um, May the 3rd, um, it was kind of interesting. It's like God reached down, He put His hand on my shoulder. He said, "I'm going to protect you, but you're going to have to do something about these guys." Mm -hmm. And uh, you literally probably saved how many lives? Do you think that day? Well, there was who knows. Who knows? There was a couple yeah. hundred people there in attendance mm -hmm. and so yeah. on. Not to mention the officers and mm -hmm. and other folks working there. But um, but the reality is, um, we are all capable of doing extraordinary things. Matter of fact, policemen do extraordinary things every day. Mm -hmm. Firemen do extraordinary things every day. Mm -hmm. Stop and think, any given day in the United States, about 950,000, just short of a million policemen, take to the streets and do their job and mm -hmm. work their shift and do a, an outstanding job and do amazing things. Mm -hmm. Many times not even recognized. Mm -hmm. um, I happen to get recognized for something and, and I'm proud of that and, and, and grateful for that. Mm -hmm. but, but I'm I'm just a guy. Well, and, and, and the, what's special about your case is, it was, you know, two things in particular is is you had uh, a situation where it was obvious, uh, you know, danger where if the right thing didn't happen, then uh, something bad was going to happen, and uh, you were at the right place at the right time uh, in the right mindset um, to execute your training perfectly, and uh, that's something that as a first responder we dream of, you know that. That scenario, oh, sure. and it'll come out the other side feeling positive about it and good about yourself and your skills. Well, there's a lot of things to learn from that incident too that we didn't even, that we didn't touch on. Like, you know, policemen today are newer guys. They come from a different generation. They have a different perspective on our society. They have a different perspective on police work and everything else. Um, they also are uh, very um, in tune to their electronic. You know, everything's mm -hmm. done with computers and telephones and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, when I started policing, we didn't have computers and we didn't have cellular phones or any of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We had a steno pad and a, and a pen in our pocket, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and nowadays, too, another point of uh, training that I, I bring up, too, is, you know, it's important that I wasn't, one, I wasn't sitting in my car when those guys drove up. And I was, because it was really, it could be real tempting one of those little oh, sure. off-duty assignments, doing more just traffic direct. You sitting in your car on your phone, looking on Facebook yeah. or sending out tweets on Twitter or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I needed to be where I was in order for that to unfold the way that it did. Right. And so, um, you know, it's diligence to duty. You got to make sure, hey, if you 
if you're supposed to be there and doing your job, be sure you're doing your job. The ability to focus. Right, and to stay on task and stay, Mm -hmm. um, because it's really, you know, I see it. Mm -hmm. You you drive around and a lot of times you'll see a policeman in a parking lot somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's not means that he's wasting his time, but they're doing reports on their computer or they're doing something on their phone or whatever. Mm -hmm. could be very related to their job. Absolutely. But you got to be in your moment. you got to understand, hey. That situational yeah. awareness. Yeah, you yes. got to know what's happening around you. That's right. It's real easy to get kind of honed into your little bubble. That's yeah. right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, thank you for all the words of wisdom. And That's right. Yeah, a lot of wisdom to be gained here. Yeah. Well, um, um, Greg, thank my, you so much. It was my pleasure uh, to uh, get a chance to visit with yeah, you. Yeah, I look forward to doing some more training with yeah. you. Yeah, well, hopefully yeah. we can uh, get that rolling and going sounds good thank you sir thanks again all right all right so that does it greg stevens and the book yeah that was a good one um looking forward to some future podcasts we've got some great guests coming up jermaine gaspard who's Mm -hmm. a a good friend of mine from dps um as well as we're going to be offering some podcasts that are some of our training philosophies where we're going to be talking about um some strategies that we use at home yes so that, one of the great things about that gets me excited about the podcast is all the people that, that we know and work with that I'd love to have conversations with. And it seems like anytime you get the microphone going, you get more out of them than you would just sitting down chit-chatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really looking forward to, uh, to some great episodes in the future. Thanks for hanging out with yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for being here.